Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. Episode 11 of the Check Complete podcast. We're back for the second half of season one. We had halftime. Yes, yes, we have a halftime blooper show. Halftime blooper reel. So now we're on the back end of season one. Hopefully you did get some nice orange slices. Mm -hmm. And those were good days. You know, if you played youth soccer. Oh, yeah. And then the the little popsicle drinks afterwards. Yep, Capri Suns. Yeah. Maybe if you were. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then the parent tunnel, of course. I still do that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The games we referee, we have the parents do a tunnel for us. Yeah. I don't know if it's out of love or hate. (laughs) But there's a tunnel. Gestures towards my neck as I (laughs) I don't know what that's for. Oh, gosh. Well, we're back. Um, And uh, this episode, we got a few things for you. We got a a long interview that I sat down with a gentleman named Ben Glass, who is, um, this guy's legit, folks. And I, I think you're really, really going to enjoy this conversation. It is a little bit lengthy, so maybe get yourself some more orange wedges or a Capri Sun. Capri Suns. And yeah, have the tunnel ready for you. And have the tunnel, a, a mental tunnel, maybe. Or real, if you have a tight-knit neighborhood. Um, <laughs> but you can, uh, you'll watch that. Ben authored a book, uh, You, the Teenage Soccer Referee. He's got a website, TeenageSoccerReferee.com. He's also uh, a lawyer by day, referee by night. No, that's. That it sounds like he's fighting by crime. Day, lawyer by night. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's fighting crime as a referee. <laughs> um, but he's refereeing. He's been refereeing for a long time, and uh, Ben gets it. He gets it. So I, I think you'll really enjoy that interview. But I'm here with uh, Brendan. Welcome back, Brendan. It's it's a pleasure to be on here again. Yes, it's been quite a hiatus for me. It has. <laughs> You've been gallivanting a little I've bit been, this summer. Yeah, a little bit of traveling. Yeah. So we'll hear more from him on, on a later episode with. A few of the others that were able to travel to do some events. Uh, spoiler alert, you were able to referee at a pretty high-profile event. Where were you? I was uh, in Orlando for the USYS National Championships for 2022. There you go. So he was selected, well, out of Kansas, right, to represent us at mm-hmm. regionals and in Indianapolis, Midwest uh, regionals. And then um, based on your performance at uh, the regional tournament, you were selected to uh, referee rep- representing Midwest the Midwest region at uh, the national championships. Yeah. So we'll hear more about that. That that's a coming episode. We're going to hear from him and a few others that worked, um, not just at the national championships, uh, on the, the NCS series side of things, but also those that worked the president's cup, uh, national championship. And so we've got some interviews, uh, that we'll be sharing at a later date, but today we're talking about a couple things. Okay. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, speak at the, Kansas State High School Activities Association Coaching School, uh, actually this morning when we're filming this, and uh, shared with the soccer coaches there, about 25 soccer coaches that attended, and was able to share with them uh, a presentation that I entitled uh, The Place of the Referee in the Soccer Community. And so I was able to uh, have a conversation with them, and really tried to create it conversationally, Uh, was able to have a conversation with them and present to them. First of all, I asked for their feedback. Mm-hmm. I asked them to give them a chance to talk first, and I'll listen. Then I get a chance to offer my rebuttal, if you will. Um, <clears throat> but to share with them, and I'll, I'll allow them to share with me, what are the things that most frustrate you, right? Mm-hmm. Biggest frustrations, overall ratings of officials. And then I ask <laughs> them about what are the um, hallmark characteristics of an effective referee. 
and a lot of it's stuff that we've talked about on this podcast and things that you would expect. But then I was able to present to them in follow-up a survey that I did. I emailed out to all of the registered high school soccer officials, again, registered through NFHS, Keisha specifically, um, in the state of Kansas. At that time, that list was about 230-some referees. I had about 123 respond. So not bad. Not bad. Not bad. No. And Survey Worlds, that's a pretty good response rate, I'm learning. I, I was so. a little bit yeah. discouraged, but, you know. Whatever. I'll support you. Sorry. Th- thank you. <laughs> so <clears throat> we had uh, the survey resp- results, and we want to share those with you just <clears throat> because I think it's interesting, and I'm wondering if this is uh, pretty consistent across the country. The other thing that we've talked about is the place of high school soccer in a referee's development. And so that could be a follow-up conversation to this. We're not going to go down that road very much. But that's something that I think we've talked about in Kansas quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which one comes first, USSF or high school, and where to move based on that? It's definitely been a lot of topic of conversation for sure. Right, so trying to find the place for that um, in our community. And especially since there's no really place for upward mobility in high school soccer, right? There's no higher level badges, things like that. And some feel right. like they're never going to get a chance to work a state tournament because it's the good old boys network or whatever you want to say. So a lot of people will, will omit high school soccer from their journey. And so I was trying to tell the coaches that <clears throat> that's a reality, mm-hmm. but the ways that they can participate um, can help make high school soccer a more valuable setting. And so we've talked about the need for a lot of the high schools in our area are using video. I mean, a lot of more and more now with things like VO and Trace right. and these other cameras, um, those opportunities are, are, are abound more and more at mm-hmm. all levels. But especially on the high school side, that video piece is, is huge. So video education opportunities, more time and space around games for conversations, for education, things like that. <clears throat> so I'm curious. I, I would love to hear back from those in other parts of the country to know what the high school soccer scene adds to a referee's development. And that's another conversation for another day. Um, but I do want to present some of the the statistics and the data that we pulled in from this. It, I would be willing to bet that this is pretty consistent across the country. I, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure because I'm so experienced with how Kansas works. Right. That I'd be I'd be very curious to hear, you know, how other parts of the country how this compares. Right. Yeah. I'm a I'm a chemist by day, so I like my data. Data is cool for me. Right, yeah. <laughs> do you feel some chemistry in this interview? Like, do we get along okay? I did until you said that. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so we talk about, like, one of the questions that I asked them, just some basic information. So age breakdown. And uh, you can see, we'll, we'll share the slides so we can put them up there so you can see this as well with your, with your eyes. Uh, the age breakdown. We have seven referees that were 18 and under that participated 19 that range from 19 to 25 and then because it's on your screen I'm, I guess I won't go through all these categories but the big bulk as you'll see of this our referees are in that range of 31 to 60 that's where we have 60 percent of our officials are mm-hmm. in that are in that range 27 percent of officials surveyed are 30 or younger that's a decent little number yeah. and as it compares to other high school sports in Kansas that number is much higher than other sports in Kansas. Um, soccer, because of the physical demands of soccer, tends to bring out younger officials. Mm-hmm. One of the things I mentioned, I said, the reason why you're seeing especially 29 referees are 40 to 41 to 50, and then 30 or 51 to 60, 
that age gap is young enough that they still have life in their knees, <laughs> right? <laughs> but old enough to where they don't have the demands of little kids, right? A lot of them are, the kids are older. Right. So, and they have jobs that allow them to get out of work earlier yeah. to do start times. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun hobby that they do after work. Right, yeah. right. And um, so, and then the largest concentration, like I said, is 41 to 60, and that 48% of the officials surveyed fell into that age gap, okay? So um, we asked about high school level experience, okay? Their experience at the high school, and then the following slide that Brandon's gonna mention a little bit more about is we asked then overall experience. <coughs> which is interesting to contrast these two things. High school level experience, 47% of the officials surveyed, as you'll see here, are, uh, have five or less years of officiating experience at the high school level, at the high school level, right. okay? However, as you see in our next slide, when we get to <clears throat> USSF certification, we have 78% of officials surveyed have six or more years officiating in total, high school and USSF included. And also 67%, so two-thirds of our high school referees are also USSF certified. And so I'm not sure what we can read into this, but it seems as if there's maybe a pathway from USSF to high school and vice versa. So it's, it's right. interesting to see the amount that are cross-certified. And I think it probably differs per state, but I think some of the criticism in Kansas has been that, you know, to get certified to work high school in Kansas, open, open book test. They send right? you the rule book. They sent you, they, okay, that's fine. I mean, that's the same thing on the USSF side. Your recertification test right. is open book. That's fine. Right. You attend a rules meeting and off you go. Yeah. You know, there's no mechanics work. There's no additional training. And so I think that was one of the pushbacks that I heard today from the coaches was a lack of training and a lack of consistency amongst officials. Mm -hmm. You know, the consistency peaks from game to game. I told them, I said, well, if you're really wanting something that's super consistent from game to game, uh, maybe you need to go into like coaching swimming or golf. <laughs> Or something because this this sport has a lot of gray area and there's going to be differences in the way that you call the game on a Tuesday and then I come and do their game on a Thursday. Hopefully, there's not a big gap of consistency, but there will be a difference in the way yeah. that that game is officiated. And, and any of you that referee for any length of time know that con understand that concept. Um, but I think this is fascinating, just to show that I think they saw that first slide that said 47% or five years or less. But wait. Don't panic. <laughs> yeah. 78% of the officials surveyed have experience uh, of six or more years. So is it is it fair to assume that a lot of high school organizations will expect referees to be certified through USSF or another organization? It's a good question. I think in other sports, we don't have the same nationwide certification process. I do basketball. There isn't a USSF for basketball. Right. right. Or like football. So you yeah. get trained by the local organizations. Um, so I think there's an expectation that they probably do come from the youth side where they cut their teeth and then right. move into the high school side of right. things. So, interesting. Um, and then the games worked per week. That'll be another slide we show here. And so I, I gave them opportunity to break it down. One to three, four to six, seven to 10, 10 to 14, or 15 plus. So the bulk of people are working, well, the bulk of people are working six games a week or less. And is this, this high school only games? So I didn't differentiate that. So this could be, you know, I think for a lot of officials that work high school, they have that switch to realize, wait, I don't have to bust my butt on a weekend. I can go to work two or three nights a week because the pay's a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I'm not working these, like that category of 15 plus, where we had two people that were saying they worked 15 plus games a week. That's, yeah, that's what I did before I certified for high school. Right. Yeah. 
Right. So when you move into high school and into college, it is, you know, less games because I think the games might be more demanding and you're starting to realize, especially as the, the age groups get older, right? Mm -hmm. A 50-year-old person can probably do a lot of games, but do they want to? No. Um, yeah. An 18-year-old kid is like, I'm just here to yeah. just make as much money Load as I me can, up. Yeah. right? So that's kind of a shift in things. Um, but this is it's, this is interesting. The why do you referee bit. And so we gave him five answers. Yeah. So so Gordy sent out. He said, "What's the highest reason why you officiate?" So we gave him money, uh, camaraderie, community, staying active, giving back to the game, and love of the sport. And so out of that, what the the number one reason that that officials referee is the love of the sport, which I think is is probably fair to say about us as well. And I think that's a really good sign. I do. Right. I, yeah. I was a little bit nervous that the results of this survey would show money as right. the number one reason. And I think that today the coaches were saying, one of the two coaches pointed out to me when, when I asked for what are characteristics of an effective referee, two of them said, I want them to love the game as much as our kids and, and we do. And I think that that's, I think that would make a very effective referee because out of that comes a different approach. Right. And a different attitude. Yeah, if you sincerely enjoy refereeing, you want to, you know, do justice to the game. You're not there to walk around and pick up your money afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, and if, if you're out there and you're going, I don't know how much I love soccer right now. That's fine. I've been there. There's yeah. times where I'm like, I don't want to see a soccer ball. If I do, I will vomit. Right? <laughs> like, I've had those, those moments. So I think those are the times when it is okay to give yourself permission to recalibrate. Yeah. Step yeah. back. Don't work so much. Or find games that you really, really enjoy doing and work those. And don't work the other stuff that's, even if it's for your development and stuff like that, there's some, right? You're, you're going to be okay if you don't take every, you know, adult amateur game that's going to pay you $75 to travel four hours one way. Right. Yeah, there, there are so many games out there that we do sometimes need to take that little mental break yeah. of away from the soccer field, do something else for a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so then we switched to this, like that was kind of a current state. Now we've got this future. So we talked about... I asked them, why would you quit? Or why do people in your area uh, have they quit? What do you think of the contributing factors? So I gave them, what is that, seven categories that they could rank. And I did the same thing. Highest, second highest, third highest. And it was spectator behavior, coach behavior, poor assignments, bad partners, poor pay, game times and locations, and unsafe working conditions. And I don't think this is a surprise to any of us. The first largest, the largest contributing factor was spectator behavior. Okay. The second was coach behavior. And the third started to really spread us out between all of them. Um, but poor pay was one that showed up. Coach behavior showed up high again. Um, and it was somewhat even across the board in all of those, those categories um, about why people would quit. Um, and then our last thing, this referee lifespan. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. <clears throat> that Go is ahead. Yeah. So we asked... Uh, officials how much longer they think they're going to continue refereeing high school soccer in Kansas. And 65% of our officials that were surveyed said that they'll be done refereeing within the next six years. Yeah. So now, I'm not quite sure why that is. Do you think that's an, that's an age thing, or do you think a lot of referees will use high school soccer as a stepping stone to other things? Uh, good question. I think the age thing <coughs> is a huge contributing factor. When you see a, the, the ages of people are getting to that point where it's like, listen, this demands a lot out of my body mm -hmm. and if I'm getting abuse right you pair that with the demands on your body plus the abuse from spectators 
what am I getting out of this? Right. Especially well, I mean, if they're old and they have they're older, they have more established jobs. It's not a financial piece. Yeah. Right. So like I cannot referee, and the only thing that's going to take away from me is actually give me a free evening. Yeah. <laughs> I can actually <laughs> spend time with my family. Yeah. Or go do something I, that I really enjoy. Um, and so I think that's where the love of the sport has to come in more and more. Yeah. But I, I think it's. But I think your point too of um, the really good ones, right? Those. They're, they're going to be not doing high school soccer or there's that, that younger group potentially that's moving on their way up. And mm-hmm. when, they, when they're ready to move on to the next level, the stuff that gets cut, youth games that aren't MLS next. Right. Like and the local league stuff. Yeah. Right. And the local leagues, the, anything that's not like MLS next, maybe the higher tier type stuff, the local stuff's going to get dropped. And the high school stuff's going to get dropped. Right? Because there's, no, there's nothing that like... If you're trying to get into pro, they're not like, hey, how many years have you been refing high school soccer in Kansas? Right. Nobody cares. Yeah, if you're moving up, you're going to do the games that are going to help you to right. move up. So I think that's a contributing factor. But I shared this with them just to give kind of a – and several of the coaches were had asked me, could we get this data to share at our parent meetings? Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're watching this in, in your own neck of the woods, maybe this is something you can nudge leaders in your state or in your area to do something like this so that you are armed with some data to be able to address some of the spectator behavior, coach behavior issues, the environmental things that are driving referees away. And if you're able to come at it from a, instead of just going, hey, referees are leaving because of poor, because of poor treatment and abuse. That's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're able to go, hey, 65% of these officials are leaving in the next six years. So if we don't replenish that, and then being able to point to why they're leaving, right? Right. Realizing, okay, these are the, the factors. And if we don't fix this, we have to either replenish them with brand new referees, which are not going to be ready to work varsity games. Right. Right on the shoot. Right. Or we have to create an environment that keeps them feeling like they're a valuable member mm-hmm. and that they want to come back and they're having fun. Yeah. That's, to me, that's where this data leads us. Um, so in your neck of the woods, maybe, maybe this is a project that, you know, and if there's any way I can help, I could share this survey that we did before. Um, Officially Human, I worked with we several episodes ago. So we had mm-hmm. Brenda Hilton on with Officially Human. They have published a survey like this in 2020 in Kansas, and they did this in other areas. So you could maybe reach out to them and say, hey, we're trying to work on this project in our area. Uh, if you need their contact information, let me know. Brenda is wonderful to work with and is willing to help provide. Mm-hmm. She reached out to me. Like, I reached out to her about this and uh, used some of these questions that they had used. And she's more than happy to help provide that so that you're armed with something a little bit more concrete when you're working with hopefully bridging the gaps between the coaches and the referees and creating an environment that makes referees feel like they're a valuable part of this. So, yeah. Anyway, hopefully that was interesting for you. We're going to transition now into our interview, into my interview with Ben. So I'm super excited to sit down and chat with him. Hopefully you enjoy this conversation. Uh, recorded on Zoom with Ben Glass. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck, we can help. Visit jfcokc.com. I'm excited to sit down electronically with Ben Glass. Um, ben, just give us a brief introduction of who you are, and then we'll talk about. I've got your book here, and this is largely why I reached out, but. We'll talk about this, but we'll also talk about your journey and your passion for refereeing. So give us a brief introduction. Yeah, thanks, Gordy. So so I'm Ben Glass. I am uh, 64 years old. I'm a dad to nine. I'm a lawyer, an entrepreneur. 
Um, here in, in uh, I'm in Northern Virginia, Fairfax, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., really where I grew up. Um, and I had a really cool youth, um, Gordy, when I was, uh, so Annandale was a hotbed of youth soccer in the 70s. Uh, when I was 12, I joined a team and it had some good players on it. And when we were 18, we were the U19 national champs, right? Um, and so, and so that was, that was fun. All of my teammates went to college to play um college soccer, um, D1 schools, most of them. And um, a couple went on straight to play pros. Uh, so that was that was a really fun time. When I was about 16 years old, uh, a couple of my coaches um, said, hey, you know, you, you just might want to try this thing. Like they need referees and stuff. And I was a reader and, and you know, I like I could study books and stuff. And so five of us went uh, across the river to Maryland. There's a fellow by the name of Nelson Coburn who was running he was sort of the granddaddy of, of soccer officiating here in the 70s. Um, and he was running a course. And so, I don't know, it was three or four nights. And at the end of the course, we were referees. And back then, Gordy, he had this uh, on one table was all the equipment. And we just went and picked up what we needed. And he made a note in his pad and deducted it out of the uh, pay at the end of the season. And on another big table, there was big um, paper of, of games, of youth games. And we just started filling in our names on slots. So this is... Hard to imagine today, but pre-internet, email, arbiter, game officials, any of those programs, right? This is how we got games and just started started doing it. Um, and I liked it. And I was, I like to think I was pretty good at it. And, um, you know, my friends, a couple of them stayed a couple of years as is typical. And I just got into it. So when I went to William Mary, when I played at William Mary on scholarship, um, and when I wasn't playing, I was refereeing all over Tidewater, Virginia, refereeing high school uh, games, youth games, whatever. Um, and when I was in my young twenties, um, Gordy, I was I was doing a lot of the senior the top senior amateur leagues in the D.C. area. So think ethnic leagues, Washington D.C. My dad would drive me to the game. He would park strategically just in case something happened, right? And um, you know, many times like something happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, and those are fun. And it was a real real uh, learning experience. I'm over, so I'm still actively refereeing. Mm -hmm. uh, about 80% of my referee time today is at the high school boys and girls level. Those are week nights, week afternoons, and that kind of fits my schedule the best. Mm -hmm. I do youth games in the 14 to, say, 19 groups. Um, I took a couple uh, – I retired a couple of times because it was, it was hard raising families, starting companies, mm -hmm. staying fit, all that stuff. And we didn't have – we can talk about this a bit. We didn't have – the tremendous amount of support that the referee community, I think, gives to young referees today. So, so my bottom line on that is I can still run with 18-year-olds. I love it. I love the high school game atmosphere, national anthem, stadium, lights, crowds, rivalries. Mm -hmm. I like that. And in our high school association here in Northern Virginia, pretty much everybody is very into – all the officials, men and women, are into refereeing as a science and an art. And I, and then I get to referee with the youngins, like the, mm -hmm. the guys and gals, young men and women who are kind of moving up the ladder, who may referee college. Some ref, it just caught off the um, regional and national youth tournament finals, and that was kind of cool. So, you know, it's been refereeing's been been, been very good uh, to me, and I still get a, a kick out of doing it. I love that. I love hearing the stories and the journey. I think that's fantastic. And one thing I do want to highlight in there was the 
There's so much that you said that was good. I think the retiring and coming back, I know there's a lot of officials that that life takes its own course, right? Yeah. Everybody's got a different journey in life, not just refereeing. Um, and, and so you found your way back to it. You also found your way back to it in a form that worked best for you and your schedule and your passion. And I think there's some officials that feel like in their journey, they're like, hey, I'm, I'm moving up the ladder. People are, you know, I have to do this. I feel compelled to do this. Like, listen, you've got school, you've got things you got to do, you got family, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure there was probably a, that was probably a challenge to like, hey, I have to step back because it's something you were passionate in. But what was that like getting, you know, taking the necessary steps to step back and getting back into it? Well, it was, yeah. So it, it was, it was hard because the first time I stepped back, I was in, I was in law school, right. And starting a family. And at times, you know, shamefully now looking back at it, cause I was young married, I was, I'd be out for doing three adult games on a Sunday. That's, that's eight hours away from the house. Mm -hmm. I, I would never consider doing that today. Um, and so, but then what would happen is, you know, as my kids got older and I would be coaching their teams, you, you'd kind of get the, the urge to get back in. And, you know, the one the one thing I would do differently today is I would have always stay registered because at one point, like I lost all my games and stuff. And and that's and that matters when you're going up the ladder. I'm not I don't have any ladder to go on today. So so today's picture, Gordy, is like I will look if I have a Saturday and I've got time, like I will look on the various schedules that the uh, assigners post and I'll find the game that's interesting to me that I can go have yeah. a challenge, a workout, really. Um, and in the high school, I don't have as much control over that. Uh, you know, you, you, we get assigned to games, but in the youth games, I can go and pick. I never do more than like, my thing is I'll do one game for free, two games you pay me and I'm never doing three games again. Cause I yeah. don't, that's not fun for me anymore. Mm -hmm. The next step in the progression will be, you know, as I look at these U12 and U11 games that are on a 60% size field, like that's awesome. An artificial surface field. Soft field, smaller. Like I'll be refereeing when I'm 90. Hopefully, that really is my goal. Like to still be able to be out there and and do it. So you're right. There's absolutely a place for everybody along the journey. Um, yes, if you're a youngin and you're on the ladder and you want to like be a professional referee, um, you know, I, I'm sure you got to get a mentor. You got to get a coach. It's more competitive. There's a lot more pressure. But there's so much space between that trajectory and doing it to have fun stay fit particularly your player you're 18 maybe you're not gonna play in college you want to stay in the game try coaching you try refereeing it's a way to get to stay in the i think the best seat of the house right mm -hmm. best seat in the stadium and just be involved so it's you know we know look it's it's not for everybody mm -hmm. um but i like to talk to the young young kids and say, look, you can make money, you can pick your own schedule. Part of the reason I wrote the book was to give young referees an entrepreneurial vision of what they could do with refereeing, you know, make money, show up, all that stuff. Um, so anyway, that's a long answer to your very okay. simple question, but but I think your point is right. Um, there are times in your life where it's just it just doesn't fit, right? And you have to be physically fit to do this stuff. And so I stepped back. I today I would have stayed registered, mm -hmm. done whatever the minimum was to stay registered, um, you know, because I maybe would have had a few more opportunities, but. Sure. Yeah. I know that hits with people that are, and I know several people that come to mind just in my local area that are wrestling with that, 
I'm getting ready to go to law. I got somebody getting ready to go to law school, getting ready to start med school, getting ready to start PT, getting ready to, I've got kids now I've got, I'm getting married, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I think there are a lot of question marks. So to hear your story. And again, we talked about that before we started recording about just the importance of, we are a community and hearing each other's stories to know, Hey, there's hope for me to stay with this. I don't need, to, maybe I do need to step away completely, but I can keep my reserve. You know, that's all really good points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and at 64, so I do CrossFit and I do soccer refereeing. So and what, what it does is it gives you a reason. Like this morning, 6 o'clock, it's middle of July. I'm on a field. I'm training. I'm training for the fall mm -hmm. by myself. It's boring. It's hard. It gets harder every year. But it gives – But when you have a game on the calendar, it just gives you a reason to get in the gym or do your running, whatever. And so there's all that, that benefit too. Anyway – yeah, no, that's great. I want to come back to the support idea because that's a whole concept that I, I think we're going to loop back in and it will fit nicely into conversation about your book. So let's move to the book. Um, I've read it. I love it. Talk to me about um, just big picture, your motivation for writing it, where it came from, however you want to go with that. I've written a number of books into uh, the entrepreneurship space. The uh, I'm a coach, to, I'm a lawyer and I'm a coach to lawyers. So I've written in, so I understand the process. I just had I had all of these ideas. I, I so, even though I'm not a uh, a trainer, a referee certified instructor, um, I'm a referee and I'm a dad. I I get invited to come to speak because I'm a decent motivational speaker, and so I had these transcripts from talks, and I had I have a lot of ideas. I think that there's a lot of material out there about how to referee, mm -hmm. how to study the laws how to position yourself, all of that stuff that we teach in class. And I wanted to teach like how to be a referee. Like, like mm -hmm. how do you take um, what you just learned in class and now go apply it to the world, mm -hmm. all right, in terms of, especially if you're young, like, again, make all the money you want, but you got to be a professional. You have to prepare. You have to uh, uphold the promises that you've made the assigner to show up on time do your game reports, all of that stuff. And so, and, and then, so I had that, you know, sort of entrepreneurship side. And then I think I have a lot of ideas just about managing, like the hardest thing when I was young twenties, refereeing American male in ethnic leagues in Washington, DC, like no respect walking on the field. I, I had nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the hardest thing to do. And when you're a young referee, when you're a teenage referee, Walking on that field that first time, you don't you don't have anything, right? And, and it can be really challenging when an adult coach or or spectator says something to you, and and not just challenges, but today you know is mean to you. Like that can be shattering to a young player's to a young referee's confidence. And so I have a lot of ideas in the book about how do we prepare for that. What's sort of the mindset of it? Remember, these are a few crazy people out there. And then some some languaging, I think, to be able to use back so that you can get through the game, not shattered emotionally, and feel good and confident about yourself, right? So the first thing I teach young referees is you probably have never blown a whistle before. Like, go out on a field when no one's around and practice blowing a whistle and drawing attention to yourself because that's a weird feeling. You're now in charge, but we've never, we don't play blow the whistle. We play 
baseball and soccer and all that stuff. So little okay. things like that I thought would be helpful uh, to get young referees, teenage referees, through their first game and through their first season. Yeah, I think one of the, the lines that you said in here that resonate with me is this is the first time that someone who's not your parents, right, has has yeah. yelled at you. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's not your parent, your coach, or your teacher is yelling at you and telling you, you don't know what you're doing. Like, like what happens next? And, uh, you know, it's sad, but it's true. Um, and so the book is also written for the the mom and dad, the adults of the referee. Like, what should you do when your kiddo is going out for his or her first game? And should you say something if somebody, some knucklehead on the side? And then it's, the book is finally, it's written for the adult, the same adults in the game to say, look, when you see stuff going on, mm-hmm. you have to call it out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want confrontation and fights, but, but when when I sit at a game and some knucklehead adult is going at it to the referee and I don't do anything, I'm part of the problem. See, I think I'm just being silent and I'm being neutral. I'm mm-hmm. part of the problem. Right. To, to in some way stand up to that person or alert the league or the administrators or what and say, no, we are not going to tolerate that here anymore. It just has no part in the youth game. So the book has those three audiences, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and you, yeah, you walk through that as you as you talk about this. I love that that chapter three is a note to the parents of teenage referees, and I think um, that's even something that I think I don't know. I, I it would be beneficial probably to articulate what you said in the first few chapters about the benefits because we're talking about you know one of the things you highlighted here that's super important is we're putting people who developmentally are at a crucial place in their development, right? In a place where a lot of them, it, it's almost sink or swim, right? Like this is this could really, really help you as you develop confidence and self-esteem and that kind of thing. And, or it could be something where it's just not an effective environment. And so for as you as you highlight that in the book, but let's get to, maybe we could start talking about that support thing right now. Um, what kind of support needs to be in place for referees to succeed when they're at a critical place in their development facing these challenges? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, at the highest level, leagues and clubs have to develop a no-tolerance policy, right? Yeah, yeah and I, I don't think this, this example is not in the book, but I've given this at other talks. Like, you know, when I was in high school, it was not unusual to have a high school coach smoking on the sideline. Hmm. It just wasn't unusual, right? Mm-hmm. It happened. Today, you cannot imagine that happening, right? You, you, it just, it's not even in your, your thought process. Right. I imagine a day where, where the thought that you would call out a teenage referee uh, in, a, in a youth game and abuse that referee just doesn't exist. So I think it starts with, leagues and clubs saying we don't tolerate it and it's real like you just don't do it today we all make mistakes right players coaches referees all that so so that's one level like so the referee knows that the league has his or her back right and full support Mm -hmm. because you hear these horror stories of of you know i heard one that just recently referee and f-bombs in a game and and a tournament and the next game the kiddo and the coach are still playing it's like okay no that's not zero tolerance that's we don't care about our referees um, right. so, so there's that the thing that i didn't have but every referee today has is what we're doing here like you have the internet 
So in the 70s and in the 80s, we would get together as referee groups twice a year to collect our paychecks, right? Because that's what we did. We used paper checks and you had to go and get them. And so we would have a little seminar there. And there wasn't any in between. There wasn't any opportunity to look at video, to go into some, for example, some of these Facebook uh, private groups and ask questions and get advice and get encouragement. Um, we didn't have referee mentor programs. And we have a fairly robust mentor program in Northern Virginia. The problem with that is like, you know, most of the mentors are referees themselves. And most of us, if I have, a, if I have two hours to spend on a weekend, I'd rather go do a game. I'd rather go and somehow participate in the game. So maybe I'll run a line for a 14 year old. That's cool. That's, that's fun for me to do or be the center referee uh, with some, with some young assistant referees. Um, so, so you have that um, and you have, you just have a lot more, I think, adult um, uh, assigners and referee instructors who are into the motivating and the encouraging of the young teenage referee. Again, the world was just a lot smaller when I was here and, and I was, you know, my cohort of five, me and my four friends who went to the first course, like we were the first teenage referees in this area in you know the Washington DC area. Um, but there was almost no support. And that made it when things were hard, it just meant there was no place to turn. Like you didn't even know if a league took took care of a player who you had sent off. Like you never heard anything. Right. Today, knowing that the adults in the game support sportsmanship and support and were are anti-bad sideline behavior, I think that's a big deal. And we, as the adults, need to, to have that as the standard. Excellent sportsmanship is the standard. Mm -hmm. And nothing, there's no reason to tolerate anything less than that. So do you think we're trending in the right direction then? That's a good question. Um, you know, if you just watch social media, you think the whole world's going to, right. to, to blow up. And the whole sports world is going to blow up because people post these videos. Um, I like to think we are, and let me tell you why. When I go to do high school games, um, the high school athlete is fabulous. They, he or she, they work hard. They're 99% respectful. They play hard. Sure, they, they do high school silly teenage brain things, but they're not by and large mean, and they're not they're not by and large like calculatingly evil. <laughs> right. The high school coaches, same thing. By and large, you know, you can pick your one or two, but these are good people. The high school administrators, the principals and the directors doing activities are out of the games. These are great people. They're spending their nights with teenagers and sometimes in the rain and the wind. And the parent, you know, it's a parent's, they're up in the stands. I hardly hear that at all. Um, so, so my experience is, my current experience is, it's usually pretty good. Yeah. And even, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, you, you go and do a youth game. I'm, I'm good. I, I don't know what it is really. I, and I'm not quite as familiar for that. You put a crew of three 16 year olds on a, on a competitive youth travel game. You know, I haven't observed enough of those recently. My kids were, my kids are a little older now. I think when I was, my son uh, was last playing, it was still pretty toxic. I mean, I'm, I'm the dad that's telling the other adults to shut up. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I'm taking my kid home. We're never coming back to this club. Right. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, we had a coach that was a zero tolerance coach. Um, so I hope that we're trending. 
uh, better. I think it's hard to believe that with all the stuff you see on social media, though. I think that is a challenge. I, I understand the the groups that are more the promoting of highlighting the negative behavior. I understand that, yeah. and, I could, and I see some. I I, I kind of prefer the let's tell the stories and humanize the sports officials and watch what comes from that of the beauty of, of what we're involved in. I think that's probably, at least for me, feels, <laughs> makes me feel like it's a better pursuit. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, so, what, but go I ahead. Mean, one of the biggest things we could do is to get referees in front of more players. Like um, you and I were talking before we went live here. It's like, we, you and I would show up any place. Like, you, you want me to come talk to your team? Do you want me to come talk to the parents of a club? I would be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Once we have that discussion, they see that you're a human being and now you're the referee on their game in three weeks. Like they're not going to scream at you because they they know you as a human. They don't see you as just the man in green or blue or the woman in, you know, yellow, whatever that is. Right. <laughs> and so, but it's hard because there's a limited number of hours, probably in your area is the same as mine. There's many more games than there are referees each weekend in the seasons. Um, you know, there are tens, if not a hundred games that, or slots that go uncovered. We have Uber surge pricing here. Like you'll get emails Friday night going, Hey, we're now got a bonus on the, you know, these three games, if we can get a referee. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really hard to then find that extra time to go and, and talk it informally in polo shirts to players and coaches and parents. Right. And that would be cool. And things like this, like this video, players and coaches and parents, they they will see it and they go, oh, you know, these guys aren't crazy. I mean, they're not right. Like you and I don't wake up to go out and say, we're coming out here to do a bad job and to make sure that somebody unfairly wins the game. We just don't. Right. Right. <laughs> no, I absolutely, absolutely. I I don't think, yeah, it, it amazes me. We could go down that path yeah. to tell the war stories, right? Of people that think we came out. And we've got money on the U12 Division Four game or something. You know, it's it's like no, that doesn't. But I think you know, and 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 I do think to go back, I do think that we're trending in the right direction. Um, I think the stories, the negative stories, like you said, the the few bad apples tend to kind of the the negatives stand out. But by and large, I I look back and I've said this in our state, we had our state cup in May and our boys state cup, and we hired local police officers to be on scene, and we got through. We do it broken up into three different weekends or like, you know, Thursday, Friday, and then another Thursday, Friday, and we had a week off and then Thursday through Sunday. And we got to that third weekend and we used them once, once for crowd behavior type things. And I, I went over to him and I said, guys, I'm sorry, we're underutilizing you. I might go start a fight in a parent sideline just to make it worth your time to be here. And they said, please don't. I said, I'm yeah, kidding. We're cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're like, no, this is great. We get to sit here. Yeah. And one of them actually, his son was playing in the tournament. So he would just post up in a golf cart. But you know, to me, that was a, uh, it kind of restored my faith a little bit in the humanity of our sports culture in this area, at least to feel like, hey, we're in, you know, that there's, there's something, although it's, it seems absurd to think that not having police involvement is where we're at, right? That that's our, well, yeah, for success. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I find, Gordy, that the more competitive and sort of higher up the, the ladder, the skill set of the teams is, the, the more those parents seem to get it. I think so. To understand we're playing lots of games and they all kind when I, my son was playing at a decently high travel, I'm like, this stuff all blends together. A funny story is a mom asked me once, like, how can you be so cool on the sideline? I said, well, ma'am, I got nine kids. I, I, I probably have played in, refereed, coached, and watched 
2,000, 3,000 soccer games yeah. over my life. On Monday, none of this matters. <laughs> just yeah. the kids go to the next week. I've seen it all. We're not going to get excited. You know, we're not going to get overexcited or, or happy when they win. But but if things are going bad, like, okay, but there's another tournament in the next weekend. Yeah, right, right. I do want to highlight, too, for those that are are listening that are in leadership positions, we talked a little bit about the showing up and, and you know, providing opportunities for players and parents and fans. One thing that we've done in our area is advertise if you have an inter-squad scrimmage to start your season. This is high school. Have dip into your booster club budget or see if the AD would be able to fund a referee crew to come out and work. And, you know, we've started to do that. And we'll send either an evaluator or a senior level official and, and have a conversation. So this was funny a couple of years ago. I know I'm interviewing you, but this prompted this. And I think it, it might be something that if someone's listening that's in a it's in a leadership role could help. We went out to a school and three of us, we were more senior level officials, talked to them. I mentioned to them, I said, hey, I don't mind if you call me by my first name during a game. I'm one of those referees that for me, I, I like learning the players' names at whatever level I'm working. And I'll I'll learn equal numbers. So I'm not getting accused of, you know, you know them, you don't know us, whatever. And so I had this team after we had a conversation, we came out and we said, hey, what I started the conversation, said, what pisses you off about referees? Here's your chance to say whatever you need to say. And so all the kids were saying things I said, but keep in mind, we get to tell you what pisses us off about you after you're done. Right. And so we had this exchange. Well, three weeks later, I had him in a game and it was against a more uh, rivalry type thing. And I'll tell you, the the atmosphere on that field was so much healthier because they could come up and talk to me. They could have those conversations. The coaches knew that. They talked to their parents. Hey, we know this guy, you know. And so I think, don't you think there is that, like, we need to pursue those kinds of things to create a less less of an us and them in our world, I think. Exactly. And, you know, an idea I pitched recently to our uh, associate high school association here, because in the fall, the private schools play, and in the spring, the public schools play. And I'm like, we should be recruiting public school players to come and join our association and referee with us in the fall and then do the opposite in the spring, right? Because you don't yell at somebody who you actually know and you've had conversations. You yell at that faceless referee, umpire, whatever it is, who you don't, you, all you see is the uniform. It's just like yelling at the guy who cut you off in the traffic. Like if you if you realize it's the parish priest later, like you're like, oh, I, if I'd known it was you, I wouldn't have yelled at you. Right. Um, so, so I do, I do think that again, it's a time thing. And I would like, if someone invited me, Hey, we're having a scrimmage at the local high school. I would be like there in a heartbeat. I'd be like, pay my assistant referees or whatever. I, I would come because I would use it as a fitness opportunity and, and, as, a, and as a bonding opportunity. Um, so, uh, you know, figuring out ways to, and gender. I know that there's some guys who are working on, getting uh, a sports officiating into like the middle school and the high school PE curriculum. Mm -hmm. I told my association, cause we supply referees to middle school games. I'm like, why are we driving 40 minutes to do a middle school game? That game should be worked by the high schooler yeah. who's in that district. You want me to come watch the high schooler? I'd be happy to come watch, watch the high school. And I'm in a position where I, I would do it for free. Right now. I, and I realized that everybody has that capacity to do that, but that's who should be doing a middle school game is a youngin who who now can help us because our high school association at average age is probably closer to me than it is to you, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to continually feed this interesting hobby avocation profession of 
sports officiating and soccer refereeing in particular for us, we need to feed this as a cool thing to do, which is another reason I wrote the book. Like this is, let's make soccer refereeing cool. Mm -hmm. uh, we do that by paying well, making the environment safe and showing the kiddo, the teenager, like here's the path. Like if you want to get into this and you want to be the referee at regionals or pro or, you know, any of these other, you know, the other thing we have now in the United States is a lot of professional leagues, mm -hmm. right? We had the North American Soccer League and then then the senior amateur leagues that I was working. There wasn't a whole lot in between. Right. And you've got lots of opportunity for mentoring, coaching, and and whatever level you are, like there's a there's a level of game that's a little bit higher than where you are today, but you can go do and get challenged and learn from the game. The game always teaches. That's the other thing. I'm 64. I've done lots and lots of games. Every single game is it presents a teaching opportunity somehow, somewhere in that yeah. game. Um, yeah. you know, you know, we're always in the rule book and the laws of the game. We're watching video of each other and learning from geez, you know, I could have should have been faster. <laughs> I should yeah. have turned my <laughs> right. And and you highlight some of this. Um yeah. things I loved in in was chapter four, which is I think sometimes those of us that have been in it for a while, we forget what our first game experience was like. And we just say, you know, go out and do it. And, and hopefully we're creating that support, right? But just some of the really, like, I love that. It's worth buying the book just for chapter four for those that are getting as a teenage referee. And by the way, and we're going to put this, we'll put all the information in the descriptions and, and link it through our social media accounts and everything but you a teenage soccer referee is the name of the book we'll put all that in there you can yeah, I, and actually link to teenage soccer because you can get the book on amazon yeah but if you look for me i we minted special toss coins that celebrate the teenage referee and you can't get that on amazon no so, you can't that's I, I that's i didn't i'm gonna have to reorder a new one for one of those coins that's awesome i'll send you one you, you give me your uh text me your address later okay uh, .com and and you know uh, and i've given away lots and lots of copies of this book locally and and the coins there's a bunch of us who are really into a bunch of us older referees who are really into what we're talking about here which is Let's make this cool and uh, and let's support uh, the the you know the teenager because it's a cool job. You can make more money uh, than it, than most traditional teenage jobs for sure, and you make your own schedule. Um, and there's so many cool life lessons in running your own business of refereeing, building your authority, and I, I mean that in a way as, as a respected individual, you know, on a field. And then, as you know, there's, there's opportunities because there's guys like you who are scouting for who, what what referees are we are we going to invite to regionals and to nationals and to mm -hmm. uh, high school championships and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and one thing I want to talk about in there is is kind of a small microcosm of the referee community. You talked about those that are more senior level that are a part of the community. You have a whole chapter, chapter six, that's talking about dealing with older referees, and so. I'm going to ask the trending, are we trending in the right way as far as how older referees are seeing their involvement in the referee community? And you highlighted some of those issues. So I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah. So I, I think, so I think that's probably a challenge. Yeah. So a lot of older referees are there, uh, you know, cause they like refereeing and, and they need the extra money and they're not quite to the 
to the part where, and I can have a significant influence on this teenager in mm -hmm. a very positive way. Um, you kind of have to be into that, into what we're talking about here. So I have a reminder in the book, both to that older referee, but also to the teenager. Like if, if you're on a game and the referee is not going through a full pregame, like I, even mm -hmm. when I work, I know you do too. Like when you work with referees that you've already worked with a lot, you're still going through a, a, a pregame. And I say, you know, you don't want your pilot in your airplane to turn to the co-pilot and go, don't screw it up. Like, just do the usual stuff. Like, that's not right. what we want when we're flying. So the young referee should insist, and, and there's advice for some parents, like, make sure that if your kiddo is in a game with, a, with an adult referee, that that referee is taking the time to go down the checklist. Yeah. What's your learning? What's your experience level? What's your comfort level? How many games have you done? Great. Here's what I need you to do. Here's how you can help me. Here's how I can help you. Here's how we can help each other. Having those conversations. So I give the young referee some some trigger language or, you know, to start a conversation like, hey, what do you want me to do? If Right. Yes. And don't let the uh, you know, if the older referee is ignoring you and, and he or she doesn't want to go down a checklist, you just got to talk to your assigner later. Like, I'm never working at Gordy again because he wasn't really helpful to me. Right. Um, um, and so, I, you know, again, I'm not involved in that many games where there's another older referee and a young referee. And I'm like the third. I'm the assistant referee. So mm -hmm. I don't see that a lot. I know that a lot of the guys and gals that I hang out with who are closer to my age cohort. Yes, absolutely. They're, they're asking the right questions of the young referee. Again, what is your experience and comfort level? Um, here's what I need you to do. Here's how I'm going to, I will have your back 100% in the game. If anybody says or does something that I don't hear, and, and I have rabbit ears, like I'm listening for this, I am going to, uh, you're on my team first. We may have some coaching to do after the game, but in the game, you're on my team and I'm going to take care of that problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that that's where this book is helpful for those. I mean, you, if you might see the toddy, well, I'm not a teenage referee. But, you know, you even mentioned, I think, what was which chapter you titled it, uh, a former teenage referee, um, or maybe that was the introduction. Anyway, you yeah, me a former teenage referee. You go for, yeah, right. We've all been there. And then I think, yeah, and it gives us tools. Those of us that are further along the journey, it gives us tools to remember back and be able to be supportive in those moments and to remember how important. I mean, I, I, I think back to this past spring, where I worked a game with a couple of younger referees. And after the game, I said, hey, guys what did I screw up? And they looked at me like, like I had four eyes, you know, I'm, no, no, we, we're all in this together. We, we need to learn. We need to, you know, and I think you talk about this too. Um, those of us that are senior level officials, we can't just go, well, I just have thick skin for dissent and for issues. That's not setting anyone up for success. And, and you talk about that. And I love that you address that. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So the point we made there was, you know, okay, well, I have thick skin, so I'm not going to take care of this coach problem. But then next right. week, the 16-year-old is going to have that coach, right? And the coach got away with it the week before. And so we're not helping to solve the problem. And so, yeah. you know, if a coach says something to me like, you know, you have to have thicker skin or whatever, it's like, no, <laughs> that's the same standard for everybody. And I have a role, you have a role. Um, and I've got a bunch of one-liners, you know, I use, but always try, you know, I'm, I'm the smiley, open palm face guy. Like, come yeah. on, this is a, like you said, a U14 third division game. It's important. Like it is for me, that's like MLS. That's, that's yeah. my game of the week. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it is, but it is youth sports and all of the adults, spectator, coach and match officials who are adults in the game. I think we have a responsibility so that the kiddo wants to play soccer again. Like it's got, it can't be a miserable experience. Um, or the soccer or baseball, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you finish the book talking about probably the more ones that I think cause people the most angst when they're getting into officiating is how am I going to deal with, you talk about dealing with players. I don't want to brush over that too quickly because I, the breakdown, and I think this is really worth it too, the breakdown of what, what do I expect at the different levels I'm working and how that shifts, right? And I always tell referees, you're going to figure out your rules knowledge at the youngest ages because that's where the weirdest stuff happens. You never knew that somebody could kick a ball there and do that and the other person does this and you're like, so you get your, and then the game management starts to develop as you get older. So you talk through that, which is which is really good. But you get towards the end, seven chapter seven and eight, talking about coaches and parents and spectators. And as we have, I'm sure you could ask a new referee anywhere in the world, probably yeah. their biggest fear going into it is, I mean, it can be disguised. I, and I usually ask that when I teach entry-level clinics, what are you most scared of? Some will say making a bad decision. Um, not knowing the law, but really it goes, it's not just those, right? It's what happens after. And it's the abuse that I could potentially take from coaches and parents and spectators and things like that. But you talk about that. I don't know if you want to elaborate that here uh, on yeah, what that sure. best practice so, is. So, you know, and, and I actually gave a talk to the high school referees about this topic, which is about dealing with the, the on-fire brain, <laughs> whether mm -hmm. it's a teenage on-fire brain or the coach on-fire brain, and there's a lot of great, um, you know, if you understand a little bit of human psychology and, and what's going on when somebody is upset, like you can you can get through it. Um, and, and the thing I taught the high school uh, referees was we do a pretty good job of talking about foul recognition. Yeah. We watch a lot of videos. Is it a handball or not? Is it tripping? Right. We don't do a lot about dissent and unsportsmanlike conduct recognition. Why? Because it leads, it always leads to confrontation. So if you are on the sideline, Gordy, and you are chattering at me in a way that's not in a sportsmanlike manner, I can ignore it or I can choose to have now a conversation with you, which will be uncomfortable, usually, to one or both of us. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the key is, for the young referee in particular, is is again we've set the standard like no there's nothing in the laws of the game that say that this is okay for the coach to be going on and on mm -hmm. right i mean there's one thing you shout out an emotional but you keep you keep at it so that's just not allowed so it's addressing it early mm -hmm. it's letting the coach know that you recognized unsporting behavior or dissent right just like you recognize handball and and now we lay down the line. So, and mm -hmm. you know, U.S. Soccer teaches, um, you know, ask, tell, ask, tell, and dismiss, uh, dismiss, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that's a pretty good standard, right? Because the first conversation is, I heard you, and the on-fire brain wants to know that it was heard. So I heard you. So now there's a little connection there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, listen, because like half the time I did make a mistake, right? Right. Perfect. Right. But we just don't do it by language. We just don't do it. We just don't do that around here anymore. Like mm -hmm. what? Like yell at referees. And so 
you know, teaching the young referee some good words to use and maybe some gestures and keeping that young referee's brain to not be on fire. So, so Gordy, I heard you. I get it. But we just can't, you, know, you just can't yell at me. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And Gordy says, okay, I got it. I said, now, but if I have to come over here again, it'll be to caution you. All right. So there's my standard right there. Right. And Gordy, if you run at me again, we'll stop. I'll come over there and go, yeah, I told you before. And so I'm a, I'm a good three strike guy. Uh, but I'm always doing that first conversation with no, like, come on, what are you doing? Like, yeah, no, we don't do it that way here anymore. Yeah. Um, and usually you win you, and you win by not by force, not by threat, not by I'm the guy with the yellow card and the red card, mm -hmm. but by getting that other person on the team of this is youth sports. We are the adults in the game and our job is to make it safe and fun for these kids. Right. Right. No, it's not perfect. And we all we all make mistakes in those conversations. We sometimes say things and do things that we, you know, look back and regret later. We let somebody get under our skin. But I think the biggest problem is we let it go too long and it becomes a cancer in that game. Yeah. So identifying it early, recognize dissent recognition early and dealing with it prevents it from being a cancer. Because what happens is Coach goes or one adult on the sideline, one parent starts to go and you don't recognize, we can talk about spectators here in a sec, and you don't like recognize it and stop it. The other ones who wouldn't have said anything, they just start to mimic. And it's usually stupid. Yes. I mean, they don't even know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now it bounces back and flows onto the field. And I've seen players, yes. teenage players get sent off who I knew were good players, good kids, but they get riled up by the referee is not stopping these adults. The match administrators are not stopping these adults. It must be okay to yell at this referee. He must really be bad. Yeah. So now I yell at him and I get sent off, right? Spectators, I write a section in the book and I say, look, not everyone's going to agree with this, right? Because the standard protocol is you get the coach to go and deal with the spectator. Well, the problem is the coach is 75 yards away on the other side of the field. So that's a hard thing for me. My deal with spectators, and it's easier because I'm older now, it's like, no, <laughs> you're right. not going to do that today. No, you can't. You know, well, here's the thing I can do. I can not restart this game. <laughs> until right, you right. Mm -hmm. Or you leave. I'm not going to throw you out. Billy next to you is going to throw you out because he Billy came to watch his son play. <laughs> right. Restarting. So there's ways to do it. You know, and some of it, of course, you know, part of the book is meant to provoke conversation. Let's have a conversation about this. Yes. And I think what we're talking about, and I've, I've mentioned this in some of my circles too, but I think what you're talking about, we talk about things with, within the lines that raise match temperature, right? That's a that's yeah. that's language that we are somewhat comfortable with, recognizing challenges that raise match temperature. But I think what we don't always realize is the external factors of match temperature being raised, and that is what you're describing. Spectators and coaches that if we don't deal with it, that does spill out onto the field. And so I think that's that's really, really important. And that's where it goes back to, it can't be a, well, I just tune them out. No, yeah, it's not be. helpful. That's that's not yeah. helpful at all. Um, it, it, I have a story, but I won't share it. And then- yeah, the other, yeah. <laughs> it just, you, but yeah. you're right, because it just grows like a cancer does. Yes. And when you're, if you're at a field site 
And you start to hear over in this field, like, oh, that time you can hear the temperature rising. I think oftentimes it's because the referee did not recognize it and have the yeah. courage to deal with it yeah. early. And if you deal with it early, you don't have to, I, I tell people, you don't need to be a jerk about it. Well, it's just like, all we're asking for is for you to behave like a normal right. human being. Don't have to be a jerk. Yeah. And, and I don't think either of us or any of us in leadership positions are going out looking for this, right? That's not what we're, we're not telling people to go out and go, hey, who can we throw out today? But I will say <laughs> there are times in games yeah. And I think you and I can recount from this where a player is just cruising for a bruising and they can't, they can't stay disciplined. And I had this a year ago in a game. It's, it still keeps me up at night, Ben. Um, but there's, you know, that you give the player the first caution and then he comes in with another challenge. That's just as bad, but in the spirit of keeping a kid in the game, you go, I'm just going to manage it and talk to him. And then he creates havoc later on. And you're like, man, 10 minutes ago, not that I wanted to, I don't want to do paperwork, but if I would have, yeah, with it, 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 it would have made my life a lot easier. And I think the same thing, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think the same thing applies when we're dealing with some of the external factors. Absolutely. You know, a lot, you know, there's, there's nothing more fun than coming back from a spring game in the rain. It's 42 degrees, 1030 at night and doing a phone call and a match report and a send off report to a high school, <laughs> to a high school assigner who needs it by like now. <laughs> and I tell players, I'm like, yeah, like this is, your paperwork, right? Yeah. Uh, so no, no, we want to get through the game with a game that's fairly played. And, and you know, the winner is the team that scored the most goals and, and they got there by, you know, being faster or playing better. Right. Um, it, 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 people don't realize like what a, what a nightmare it is. And, and now I, I, so one last thing is as a lawyer, one of the things I do is I counsel referees across the country. I'm, through National Association, National Association of Sports Officials mm -hmm. and through, um, through Brian's offside group, uh, Brian Barlow's offside group, like if a referee gets involved with legal, like they can call me and we'll kind of walk through it. But, you know, locally, you know, your referee might be spending three hours at a, you know, a league hearing, league disciplinary hearing, uncompensated. Like, we don't want that. We don't. Right. <laughs> we didn't get our $45 game fee for some recently U11 girls game that results in paperwork, reports, and hearing. Right. Like, that's not the, that, that you're not going to recruit referees the more of that there is. Right. You and I are preaching to the choir. Um, oh, yeah. But it's, I know, we could talk for so much longer. Time yeah. is ticking on us here. But I think the, the one other thing I want to highlight, just because I do think it's really, really important is when you're talking about giving young referees some tools, some words to say, some things to do, because I think what we've done unintentionally is because we haven't done that, they pick up the things from senior level referees and it becomes like the goal of what we're doing should be listening and diffusing, listening and diffusing as yeah. we do kinds of things. Instead, some of us like, or they'll see referees on TV that are, you know, that yell back or do something back, or even like in some of the games that I do, I have, when I'm doing, I've done high school for 15 years. Some of these coaches, I've refereed their games for 15 years. Yeah. And I will yell back at a coach because we have an established relationship. And 99% of the times it's joking between he and I, or she and yeah. I, but the young referee doesn't. So they pick up on these things and they think, well, I've got to be a you know, a jerk in response. That's how I best manage it. But that's not a that's not appropriate. And the one-liners are funny, 
but they're not appropriate and they don't get us anywhere. So I think, I don't know if yeah. you want to get on that, but I think that's really important that you've given some of those. And we need to do that in our areas is the senior level officials need to model what it looks like to listen and diffuse those situations. So I, I have two ideas on this. One is for the young referee is, is getting on these, uh, you know, watching the the show that pro does, which is like video review where yes. you can hear the audio and, and seeing as many of those videos on uh, YouTube and looking at the rugby ones too, where you can hear it, listen on the referee. Yes. You see how cool and calm these men and women are they're, that they're having a factual just like a plane is getting ready to crash it's like okay well it's all factual no emotion um and i've always thought it would be cool i haven't seen anybody do this is hey let's get you and i do a game we'll get a third and we're use we'll use communication devices and we'll and we'll set somehow set up like a, a speaker system and put five or ten young referees in the stands or in the booth or whatever, listening in on the conversation. Yeah. I think that would be really helpful to, to allow a young referee to be a part of the game to really hear how do I talk to that kid that you just described who's uh, hard foul beginning, uh, trying to keep how do I talk and to hear that because otherwise we don't we don't ever see it. So without so one of the cool things is in our National Capital Soccer League, which is the big youth league here, they've approved the use of comms at all levels, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a teaching device. Because if you right. work with me, you're going to hear how I talk to the coach, how I talk to the player. And so I know that you know, U.S. soccer has got some rules or whatever. They just waived all that. And I think it's a really good idea. Um, now you got to have the right referees in there because you can't, they can't be then screaming at coaches and stuff. Right. But if you know you're being, if you know you're being listened in on, like you, you're, you up your own language and behavior anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Ben, this has been phenomenal. I wish we could keep doing this for a long time, but I, we do need to wrap this up. I do, like I told you, I do give you the final word. Um, I, I always jokingly say this, if this is your chance, it, you got to, whatever you're about to say, you couldn't sleep at night if you don't say this on the Check Complete podcast. So, so what is that in your final, your final words? So I think, so I think it's actually two things. So to, to the young teenager who's thinking about, do I want to be a referee or do I want to stay in it? Absolutely. Like find mentors like you, people like me, and a lot of other people that we know who will help coach you through this. And just to the adults in the game, whether you're a spectator or coach, parent, whatever, like just these are just games like model the behavior as though you're on that video that's on YouTube that you are mic'd up on the audio and don't be that person who gets on a YouTube video going crazy at a sporting event because those videos live forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of us who are like, we have no hesitation about posting them when we get them and I get them sent to me and Brian Barlow gets them and it's ugly you need to be the same person in the room yeah that's right ben thank you i'll, I'll put it uh and we'll link it's teenagereferee.com is that correct teenagereferee.com yeah if you order the book directly from me i'll send you uh send your coin we've got some stickers and some cool some cool stuff perfect <laughs> that's right and then ben also mentioned naso and the offside page so we'll link that stuff as well to make referees aware of of some of that the naso resources are really really good referee magazine and all the stuff that kind of comes through that can be fantastic and then um you know I, I i haven't reached out to brian yet but he's not too far from me in tulsa and um that's so I, I definitely want to get him connected yeah. 
what we're doing as well. He's doing a lot of really, really good work in different areas. So Ben, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Now it's really fun. Anybody else, um, you know, wants to talk about this. Uh, I, I like talking about it a lot. I think that we can, you know, we can save actually the youth game uh, and just make it great, make it great for everybody. So I appreciate all the work you do because you, you put a lot of time into not only doing your own games, but mentoring and coaching the young referees. And that, that's important. You're moving the world, my friend. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Well, stay safe and we'll keep in touch. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Gordy. Yeah. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck. We can help. Visit jfcokc.com. This has been episode 11 of the Check Complete podcast. Thank you so much for watching, listening, engaging with this project. We really, really appreciate your support. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you to, uh, well, thanks, Brendan. Thanks for being here again. Man. Absolutely, man. I am free all week. Yes. Yes, he is. Forever. Forever. <laughs> and ever. Thank you to uh, Mr. Ben Glass for his time uh, in that interview. Ben, it was wonderful connecting with you. Um, thank you for all that you're doing in your neck of the woods. And uh, we know that uh, it really takes a village to do all of this, right? To help people grow as referees and to continue to advocate for the place of the referee at the metaphorical soccer table, right? And making sure that there's a valuable place for them. So thank you, Ben, for that. Again, just to plug his book, <clears throat> You, a Teenage Soccer Referee, you can go to TeenageSoccerReferee.com to purchase the book. And if you purchase it from there, he will autograph it and he will send you uh, a flipping coin that is, that's got you, a Teenage Soccer Referee, on it. And on the back, it's got the website and a whistle. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you're going to get the book, go through there. I went through, I didn't even know this existed, this website. I bought it before, long before I interviewed Ben and read it and I got it off, uh, the evil empire, Amazon. I don't know if it's the evil empire. I'm a prime customer and I spend way too much money on there. I have a credit card that gets me point. You know, I'm divulging too much personal information. Right there. Let's yeah. Move on to this. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, definitely go through the website if you need the book. Okay. Um, if we really want to hear from you, continue to reach out to us, um, suggestions for, for new content, new segments that you'd like to hear us dive into, um, people that you think we should interview. We'd love to hear that, especially if you can connect us with them. We would love to make that happen that way. I'm, cause I'm now I'm just that guy that slides into people's DMS and asks if we can interview them just and now I'm, or not opposed to that, not now, but earlier. Uh, and so that, that's kind of where we're at to get, uh, to get interviews. And so we're, we're excited to continue to connect with more and more officials at various levels, but reach out to us uh, again on Twitter and Instagram at check underscore complete, check complete podcast on Facebook. Email us at info at questions, excuse me, <clears throat> info at check complete podcast.com. And uh, we will, we'd love to connect with you. So, but once again, if you guys have any negative feedback for us, please write that on the back of a box of six, 3.2 ounce ref edge pro spray cans and send that in and we will get right back to you on that. Definitely. Thanks for watching episode 11. Stay connected with us. We'll be back with 12 very soon. Take care.